Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Jerry Nowicki. Today we're simply sharing an audio version of a governor forum which we took part in earlier today, Friday, September 30th. It was organized by the Illinois Associated Press media editors, but you'll hear an introduction from the president of that organization shortly. This is an unedited, 45-minute discussion. You'll hear my voice later as I was on the panel questioning the governor. Otherwise, enjoy the discussion, and thank you for listening. Hello, I'm Dennis Anderson. I'm president of the Illinois Associated Press Media Editors and vice president of News for Shaw Media. Today is Friday, September 30th. We are about to begin a unique interview with the candidates for Illinois governor, incumbent Democrat J.B. Pritzker and Republican State Senator Darren Bailey. For the first time, the Illinois Associated Press media editors has brought together more than 20 of the state's newspapers representing all regions of Illinois for these forums. Questions today uh, for today's interview have been solicited from our member newspapers. Each will post the recordings of this interview and publish coverage of their newspaper for their newspapers. I'm joined today on, on our panel by Patrick Keck, State House reporter of the State Journal Register in Springfield, Daily Herald opinion page editor Jim Slusher, and Jerry Nowicki, the Bureau Chief of Capital News Illinois. This is a conversation and not a debate. For the benefit of our audience and our readers, we've asked the candidates to focus on the issues and to keep responses to about 90 seconds or less. And we will have eight, give each candidate time to introduce themselves. And we'll start with Governor Pritzker. Well, thank you and good morning to everyone. Thanks to IAPME for hosting this forum. I'm running for reelection to continue building a state government that puts people first and addresses the kitchen table issues most important to working families. The last Republican governor left our state without a budget for two years with a multi-billion dollar bill backlog and eight credit downgrades. So I got to work. I balanced four budgets in a row, paid off all of our overdue bills and earned six credit upgrades for the first time in decades. As a result, we're providing $1.8 billion in gas, grocery and property tax relief to help families overcome inflation. And 6 million working class and middle class families and individuals will be, receive on average hundreds of dollars each in direct support. I've also raised the minimum wage to a livable wage, protected a woman's right to choose, implemented universal background checks for gun purchases, and lowered the cost of going to college. I've fought to restore safe neighborhoods by increasing the number of state police, doubling investment in violence prevention programs, and expanding mental health and substance use treatment. And I accomplished all of that while fi fighting hard through a deadly global pandemic saving lives and livelihoods. My opponent, Darren Bailey, is a Trump extremist who would take our state backwards. He opposes abortion, wants to jail doctors for it, would force a 13-year-old rape victim to give birth. He voted against funding for crime labs that now have eliminated the backlog of rape evidence, and he even wants to throw Chicagoans out of the state. I'm proud of the progress that we've made in Illinois, and I'm ready to get even more big things done for working families. I look forward to your questions. Thank you, Senator Bailey. 
Well, thank you very much for this opportunity. And with that introduction, now we know why Illinoisans need hope. And that's exactly what I'm running on. I'm running to restore hope to every Illinoisan in this state. And we're going to do that by bringing back safety to our streets, law and orders out of control. We're going to do that by restoring education. Our schools have been decimated the last four years. And we're going to do that by allowing men and women to thrive and work and raise their families here in Illinois like they were able to be, they were once able to do. And that's no longer the case. I'm a farmer and I love talking about what farmers do because all of Illinois has roots to agriculture. I work with my hands and, 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 and that's what makes me common with about everyone else in the state. I'm just like them, I have to work, I have to fight hard to keep what I earn instead of giving it away to a rogue government. I like to remind people what farmers do. Farmers solve problems. Farmers fix things that are broken. Farmers grow things. And I think it's time that a farmer get in the seat of leadership in Illinois and get it back under control. Because as a matter of fact, about 250 years ago, it was a group of farmers that uh, founded this great nation. And I think they did a pretty good job and I look forward to expanding on that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Senator. Well, on, on to the questions. Uh, Senator Bailey, I'm gonna start with you. This question was shared to me with me with, by Bob Anderson of Wonder Lake. Illinois has 7,000 forms of government, local government, including townships, the most of any state in the country by more than 1,800. In the spirit of shrinking the size and the cost of government, could you sign, would you sign legislation that would grant Illinois voters the ability to dissolve the township form of government? Well, I certainly believe in local control, and I think state government needs to do a better job of addressing and informing uh, the people across this state of, uh, of the cost of all these forms of, of government. Um, you know, they can do this locally if they so choose, but the state must educate and inform and, and, and offer options. And, and I haven't seen that taking place yet. So uh, we know that uh, administrative bloat and our townships and our schools and our colleges, which much of that has been caused by state government. Uh, we know that that uh, many times is the cost and the reason for the excess cost of, uh, of what's going on. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I believe that the state government should do a better job of educating and informing uh, the people of Illinois and giving them some options. I think that's the first step and that has not taken place yet. Governor, same question. Great, thank you for that question. And I can um, begin by saying I already signed a bill to do just that. It was introduced by Representative McSweeney back in 2019 to dissolve townships within McHenry County, but with the intention of using that as a platform, a pilot really for determining whether we should do it statewide. And they held that referendum, decided not to dissolve the townships in McHenry County. Uh, I think it's a good idea to give people the opportunity to dissolve townships. And I, again, working across the aisle with a Republican on a good idea, that's something that I've been doing since the beginning of my term in office. Uh, I think that's a great idea for reducing cost and reducing the number of units of government in Illinois. I want to add that uh, I also worked very hard to pass pension consolidation for our police and fire pension programs 
all across the state. That's saving us dollars. It's saving local taxpayers dollars, and it will provide 10 to $20 billion of savings over the course of the next decade or so in property taxes. And that's something we've got to work very hard on. So consolidating townships, uh, making sure that we're consolidating and uh, seeing savings from police and fire pensions to lower the burden on local property taxpayers. That's something I believe in and have worked hard on already. Thank you, Governor. And I'm gonna stay with you with this next question. This is from the Belleville Democrat News, News Democrat. Many people in the southern part of Illinois feel disconnected from the state government and small towns and rural areas are not given the same priority as Chicago and the suburbs. That's what some say. What can you say to, to southern Illinoisans that would assure them that they are as high a priority as Chicago and the suburbs? Well, we are one Illinois, and I have, as governor, acted that way, made sure that we're making investments all across the state to create jobs, to make life better for families in southern Illinois, central Illinois, northwestern Illinois, western Illinois. Uh, look at the infrastructure plan, for example, that my opponent voted against. Uh, we're investing in roads and bridges, in schools, uh, in hospitals, all across the state of Illinois, and particularly a majority of the dollars for transportation are going to the rest of Illinois outside of Chicago and Cook County. Uh, it's important to note that some of the biggest projects that will create jobs, like the Cairo Port Project, like the Shawneetown Project, uh, are things that I worked, again, across the aisle with Senator Dale Fowler on. Uh, the Walker's Bluff Casino Resort uh, that we authorized, also creating hundreds of jobs in Southern Illinois. I think it's important for a governor to treat the entire state uh, as if you love every part of it. And I do. And instead, you know, my opponent has said that he would throw Chicago out of Illinois. Uh, I think you got to love Chicago just like you love every other part of the state. And again, I've acted that way as governor. Thank you, Senator. Same question. Well, it's interesting because as we sit here today, Illinois has 45,000 fewer jobs and even 125,000 Illinoisans who are working than when J.B. Pritzker started. I think one of the things that I've been standing up for is that voice for the rest of Illinois, because many times what happens when a law is passed, it's a, it's a one size fits all mentality. And that's not, to, that's not good for, that's why Illinoisans in, in the Southern part of the state are feeling left out. Uh, this good grief, this climate to act, this radical bill that uh, uh, the Pritzker administration pushed forward. It's closing coal mines. It's it's closing natural gas plants. It's the, the high regulation on our oil, making our gas uh, much higher right now. Uh, we've got to address those issues and realize we're not ready uh, for the radical direction that uh, uh, our current governor is trying to push us. So. Uh, as I've stood up and, and obviously in the super minority and, 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 and tried to argue against many of these cases, when, when these ideas, the Safety Act, you know, if there's problems uh, in, in Chicago, well, let's deal with those problems. But, but when you have a one-size-fits-all mentality, it doesn't work. And as a matter of fact, uh, with that in mind, when you have the 100 of the 102 state's attorneys and several of them, obviously, Democrats speaking out against this nonsense, something's wrong. But all of Illinois' voice is not being heard, and that's why that question was asked. 
Thank you, Senator. I'm going to turn things over to Jim Slusher. Jim, you're muted. You're muted. Sorry, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dennis. Um, this question is for both candidates, but uh, Governor, we'll start with you. Um, thanks largely to billions of dollars in federal COVID money, the state's immediate financial picture is better than it's been in many years. Uh, but we've also committed to many billions of dollars in future spending. And uh, in the coming years, I don't want to ask whether that spending is good or bad per se, but I would like to know how you propose to make the budget work after the COVID money is gone. Um, if you foresee new revenues, where will they come from? If you expect um, cuts, where would you make those cuts? Governor, let's start. Well, I want to refute at least one premise of your question, which is uh, that we are spending billions of dollars more going forward. Um, the reality is that the FY23 budget is smaller than the FY22 budget. Um, the spending is, in fact, uh, the operating dollars uh, that are being spent on our budget and not the one-time dollars that came from the federal government, which we spent on one-time things to recover from the pandemic. You know, my uh, opponent likes to ignore the fact that we went through a deadly global pandemic. He ignored it while we were in it. Uh, hasn't been vaccinated, didn't wear a mask, didn't encourage people to. Uh, the reality is that as we were fighting through that pandemic, uh, we were spending dollars to save people's lives, to make sure that our hospitals were open, to keep our uh, small businesses going, to invest in keeping our kids safe in schools. And we've done that. And we continue to invest in the things that are most important to getting past the pandemic. But again, the budget actually has reduced from its height of the worst part of the pandemic. And I'm proud of having balanced the budget for four years in a row. Uh, this wasn't from federal dollars. This was from prudent fiscal responsibility that Democrats have exercised. And it, my opponent voted against all of those balanced budgets uh, and including all of the dollars that we put into public safety. He opposes uh, funding our uh, state police. He opposes funding for mental health and substance abuse treatment um, and has voted that way for the last four years. Well, the facts show here in Illinois that our children in school, the majority of them cannot read, they cannot write, and they cannot do math up to grade level. And unfortunately, it appears that the leader of our state is having trouble with math as well, because the reality is the very first budget that I was uh, honored to vote no on on 2020 was six billion dollars out of whack. And no, we have not had a balanced budget in, in 30 years here in Illinois. As you contend, we're spending ourselves into oblivion and to and, and to contest that we're have we have a balanced budget based on federal dollars. It's obscene. I mean this this is actually this is amazing. 24 tax hikes, $5 billion in annual tax increases. Thank goodness Illinois voters rejected the $3 billion progressive tax that was laid on the table. <laughs> this, this is unreal. The 2020 budget, prior the 2019 budget was a $34 billion budget. Today, we have a $46.5 billion budget. 
I mean, where's the math at? My administration will enact a zero-based budget where we will uh, place a knowledgeable, honorable, hardworking men and women in as agency heads, and they will begin to go to work and with a zero-based budget, and they will account for every dollar that's going to be spent. And finally, the people of Illinois, we will be able to look and see directly where their money is being spent. And I believe that's how we're going to ferret out the waste uh, that, that is currently in our budget. And that is how we are going to be able to, to adequately pay down our, 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 our bills and, and, and our pension or unfunded pension that's taking place right now. And, and that is how we're going to get this state back on track where it needs to be. I'll turn things over to Patrick Keck. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I will start with uh, two separate questions, both related to the firearm owner's identification cards, also known as FOID. Uh, I'll stay with the Senator. Uh, in 2021, you introduced legislation that would eliminate, or as you put it, uh, void the FOID. Um, in, in, in your introduction, you talked about restoring public safety. Would an elimination of FOID cards add to that goal? And do you still support uh, eliminating uh, those, those cards today? I do. I believe the uh, FOID card is simply a money grab. We have federal firearm background checks. Illinois has the most restrictive gun laws in the nation. The problem is those laws aren't being honored and they're not being followed. And, and as usual, and we've already talked about this, uh, when our governor doesn't uh, stand and, and, and let agencies, let people, let the people of the state know what those laws are adequately, but, but wants to just throw money at more problems or, or, or create new laws, then that's the, that's the weightedness of bureaucracy. And that's what's, that's what's hurting Illinois right now. So as I look and, at our gun laws that we have in existence, I can look back at uh, almost every violent crime that's been committed and, and I can see the law that should have protected that and avoided that if it were followed. So yes, uh, Illinois uh, does not need uh, the safety or the uh, FOID card and um, <laughs> all other states around us are doing just fine with, uh, with a lot less uh, criminal activity and shootings as we are the city of Chicago there's not a there hasn't been a day in over 31 months uh, when there hasn't been a shooting or a, or a killing um, things aren't working here we've got to build up our our law enforcement we've got to make sure that our laws are working for us for the people and uh, that's how we rein in this criminal activity and uh, governor in the wake of the Highland Park shooting um, it was revealed that the Floyd card um, was given to the shooter despite he uh, being deemed a clear and present danger. Um, in response, gun violence prevention advocacy groups, um, they have called for changes to the card, such as raising um, the age uh, to obtain one to 21. Um, do you support those changes and what else do you think might be needed to um, prevent these cards being put in hands where perhaps they're not supposed to be? Well, let me start by saying that uh, what my opponent just said uh, essentially is he's opposed to universal background checks because that's what the FOID card allows us to do, a universal background check. That's not what the federal background check does, but it is what the background check in Illinois does. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that we need a FOID card for people who are acquiring firearms. 
another, of course, is to keep people who shouldn't have them um, from, from getting one. That's, of course, part of a background check uh, process. But uh, as you saw, we had a mass shooter in Highland Park who obtained a gun by uh, going to an area where it was easy to get one. It's another area of Illinois. Uh, in his home city uh, was not allowed for him to purchase a gun like that. So he went somewhere else and bought one and brought it uh, to his hometown uh, and shot, killed seven people and 36 others uh, and did so with an assault weapon and with high capacity magazines that should not be legal in the state of Illinois and shouldn't be legal nationally. There's no reason that someone needs an assault weapon. It doesn't have a sporting use. It doesn't have a defense use. Plenty of other uh, weapons that can be used for defense and for sporting uses. We don't need something that can shoot, as this shooter did, 83 uh, cartridges, 83 bullets in less than 60 seconds, killing so many people in a very, very short period of time. So those are some changes that I think we need in the law. I have advocated for those publicly. Uh, it's something that I think we need to get done as soon as we can. And uh, I would also say I went to Washington, D.C. and spoke with the president about this to encourage him to do the same on the federal level. Okay. Turn things over to Jerry Nowicki at uh, CNI. Okay, gentlemen, I wanted to touch on the Safety Act. Uh, I'll start with the governor. Uh, we know how important it is for you to end cash bail. Um, and I'm talking now about those provisions specifically with cash bail. So um, even, even with that in mind, there are many concerns from the pretrial implementation task force that the system replacing it as written is a little bit too vague. So assuming we can keep the end of cash bail in place, what are the specific changes needed in the law and do voters uh, deserve to know what they will be uh, before the election? Well, Jerry, everyone deserves to feel safe in their community and crime rose substantially during the pandemic. And it's a challenge that I take very seriously. Darren Bailey wants to keep the current system where murderers and rapists and domestic abusers can buy their way out of jail. Meanwhile, a new mother who needs diapers or baby formula uh, and uh, commits shoplifting in order to, to obtain those things is in danger of sitting in jail for months because she can't afford a few hundred dollars in bail. That's unfair and it's unsafe for our families and our neighborhoods. And I wanna keep dangerous people in jail and crime victims and victims rights advocates agree with me and agree with the Safety Act. Darren Bailey is defending the system that lets violent offenders buy their way out of jail and he's so desperate to win that He's lying about that. Now, do we need to make tweaks to the law? Look, I, I wanna start with uh, every uh, law that's on the books uh, often has amendments that are proposed to it. Indeed, the Senator himself has voted for amendments to existing laws uh, because we always wanna improve a law if we can. And uh, so there are proposals that have been made to, to make clarifications in the law, to make sure that people understand very well that no, this law does not uh, create non-detainable offenses uh, and that no, people are not going to be let out of jail on January 1. That's not what the law does. It does give uh, judges the ability to keep murderers and rapists in jail. 
to keep domestic abusers in jail and to not grant them bail. And that is one of the principal purposes of the Pretrial Fairness Act and the Safety Act. So uh, just to follow up on that, would you, would you be supportive then of, of some of the changes put forth by Senator Bennett? Some of those uh, are uh, very, I think, simple to understand and I think will uh, help clarify for people what this law does. Uh, so, you know, again, I haven't gone through every provision that he has proposed, uh, but I know that Senator Bennett, who's a prosecutor, a Democrat from Champaign uh, and Vermilion counties, uh, is somebody who is very careful in the way he approaches issues like this. And I'm always open to working with people who are rational and reasonable uh, in their proposals. Okay. So Senator Bailey, you told me at a news conference recently that you believe uh, once you take office, you'd have the pulpit to sort of explain to lawmakers that um, the Safety Act needs to be repealed. But if you win, you're going to be taking office after it's already in fact, uh, in effect, even the cash bail, everything. So I wonder, would it be more uh, beneficial to use your time now to work on amendments to that and or is just, just repeal or bust? You know, this whole conversation is amazing. I don't, sometimes I can't figure out if, if our governor's a fool or a liar, but, but he's trying to dupe us. And that's exactly what's taking place. He intends to let criminals out of jail. And then he wants to paint this rosy picture of hiring more police. But guess what? These police aren't going to have the power to do what they need to do. The Safety Act must be repealed. I have earned the endorsement of the FOP across the state, the, the Illinois Sheriff's Association, the Italian American police, Illinois safe suburbs. The first time in history that the FOP across the state has endorsed a governor candidate in the general. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the fact that that 100 of the 102 states attorneys are joining together to push back against this nonsense. They know what this bill says. They know that it is very problematic. They know that it is going to wreak havoc, havoc across this state. It's the same havoc that's taking place right now in the city of Chicago. University of uh, Utah just came out with a, uh, a study that showed that when you let criminals go through that revolving door, you're going to have a spike in crime. And that is what's taking place in Chicago. And that's what's taking place on January 1st. So if I were governor right now, and if I were sitting here and people across this state were as concerned as they are about their safety, I'd call a special session right now. If I put my money where my mouth is to suggest that maybe there do need to be changes. It's election year. Governor Pritzker, you've got a perfect opportunity to, uh, to, to, to have a little uh, a political ploy here. Call session back in and let's talk and let's come up with solutions, but yes, my opinion is it must be repealed in its entirety. And then when it is reconstructed, it must have everyone at the table instead of behind locked doors where Governor Pritzker was at the entire time with it. We have so a Senator in November. I hope you'll come with ideas. Senator, I was, I was going to follow up on that point. You are a member of the General Assembly now. Have you filed legislation to make any changes to the Safety Act? I've co-sponsored much legislation, yes. But the and mainly to repeal it because this was this is too much. It was done behind closed doors. It needs to be reconsidered. It's not working. It is destroying our state. But you haven't filed your own bill language. No, I didn't. I don't. I didn't need to. 
kick it back to you, Dennis. Yeah, turn it over to Jim. Uh, Senator Bailey, this this question for you, but it's a question for both candidates. Um, as uh, activities get underway and uh, projects start getting underway under the uh, Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, um, there's been talk about the need for some modifications in it, uh, or in state policy on climate change that may come in the future. Um, what, if any, changes do you think are necessary in that act or in state uh, climate policy? So the solution for the state of Illinois is to get Illinois growing again. Give people a reason to move back here. Give industry, give, give business a reason to come back here. But they're not going to come because they don't feel safe. One third of the magnificent mile today sits empty. They're not going to come because taxes and regulations are too high. They're not going to come because our education system is a has been decimated. All thank you to Governor Pritzker. And they're certainly not going to come because we don't have reliable energy. It's too far, too fast, period. We need to lift the moratoriums that have been set on coal and natural gas and even on our nuclear energy. Illinois used to be an exporter of energy. Today we're importing energy. Letters were sent out to the southern two-thirds through the Ameren to the MISO system, letting people know that uh, they could experience brownouts or blackouts this past summer, but thank goodness the temperature didn't, didn't reach that capacity. And we set again at the precept of having brownouts and blackouts next year if we don't do anything. I have no problem moving into to wind and solar, but the technology is not there. And for such a great state in Illinois uh, to be moving forward uh, where we need to be moving, um, every front is an absolute disaster. So much of what uh, Darren Bailey just said is just not true. Uh, the state of Illinois is a net exporter of electricity today, and we're creating more electricity as a result of the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, which I ushered through the General Assembly and worked hard to get passed. We're uh, more solar, more wind, that's adding to our capability. And the coal plants are being taken offline many years hence from now. And so we have energy that is being created that's never been created before and adding to our capability as a net exporter. Um, we have one of the most reliable and resilient uh, uh, distribution systems in the entire country. And in part because we have uh, terrific producers in the state of Illinois. And of course we have nuclear plants. Uh, we saved the jobs at the nuclear plants, thousands of them uh, because of the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act. Uh, we have more work that we need to do, but Illinois has one of the lower uh, cost of electricity of many states across the country. Uh, it is one of the things that is attractive about the state for businesses. And indeed uh, we've created 700,000 jobs since the uh, bottom of the pandemic uh, recession. Uh, and we're seeing companies come to Illinois, Kellogg's, for example, and tens of thousands of jobs created by companies like Rivian, uh, Boeing, and others uh, who are choosing to be in the state of Illinois and grow here. So I I'm very proud of the work that was done on CJA. It is fighting climate change. I think the Senator Bailey should understand with all the floods that have taken place across our agricultural communities in the state, 
that we're seeing these hundred year floods happening every couple of years now. And so we need to, of course, continue to invest in the infrastructure to save those farms, to make sure that we're resilient in the face of those floods. He voted against that. Uh, and we need to make sure that we're providing reliable and resilient energy sources for people across the state. Turn over to Patrick Keck. Governor, we just heard uh, from the state senator requesting you bring together a special session. Um, but previously, you were making the calls for a special session uh, regarding abortion following the overturning of Roe. Um, that special session has not occurred, and you have said uh, in recent weeks that uh, you know there are working groups uh, addressing that, um, putting together legislation. Um, with the upcoming fall veto session, uh, should we expect any action? And uh, as far as what you're hearing from these uh, working groups, uh, what could action look like here? Well, I want to be clear, the General Assembly is a co-equal branch of government, and they are holding working groups to determine what legislation they can get through. Uh, and I have get provided guidance. You've heard me, in fact, in just in this discussion today, talk about things like banning assault weapons and uh, banning high-capacity magazines as one thing that we should consider. I've also talked about making sure that we're expanding capacity so that we can take care of the women here in Illinois and those who come here to exercise their reproductive rights. Uh, and, and so we're going to continue to work on that legislation. Again, the General Assembly is uh, working out what it thinks it can pass uh, and when. And then in the veto session, we'll consider what we think is appropriate for the the supermajority that is required in a special session, and then, of course, what could be done after January 1 or the new session begins, which would require a simple majority. But I'm focused and dedicated on preserving a woman's right to choose and making sure that Illinois is a safe haven for people who seek to exercise what I think are basic constitutional rights uh, over their own bodies. Uh, Darren Bailey thinks that he or politicians should be in the room when doctors and women are making decisions about her health. Uh, she should be making those decisions and not some politician. And Senator, um, in response to that, you have said that there really isn't much at risk here when it comes to abortion due to the Democrats majority. Um, but let's, I guess, hypothetically say that, um, you know, if Republicans did take an advantage and they put together a, a ban, uh, would you sign that um, if that came across your desk? Illinois has the most permissive abortion rights in the nation. Nothing, women's rights are well protected here. Nothing's changing. I couldn't change them on my own if I wanted to. Governor Pritzker stays up at night and tries to think of new rights. I mean, who in the world thought of a 12 year old girl being able to, being allowed to, to make a decision whether or not she wants an abortion or not without her parents knowing anything about it? I mean, something is vaguely wrong with that. Governor Pritzker desires to stand and to fear monger uh, on, on abortion rights. Nothing is changing. We are going to focus and we are going to work on making our state safe again. We're going to focus on getting our taxes where we're, we can all live here and thrive again. 
to the point of the cheapest energy in the nation. I bet every one of you that live here in the state really loved how your utility bills doubled this last summer. We are going to focus on making our education process world-class so that our children can thrive and work again. So nothing's going to change regarding those rights. Jerry Nowicki, I'll turn it over to you. All right, so to Senator Bailey, um, in your time in the General Assembly, you voted against every budget. Uh, if a Democratic-controlled General Assembly sends you a budget you don't like, uh, to what extent and how long are you willing to withhold a signature and, and how would you respond to that? Communication and cooperation will be the key to my administration. As we said at the table, we're not going to be behind locked doors. We're not going to be kowtowing to special interests. We're going to set that the Democrats will have a seat at my table. The people and community members will have a seat at the table. We're going to hammer this out and make this work. If the Democrats go behind closed doors uh, to present a budget, I'm going to call it out. I'm going to talk about it as I have done with every past budget and most of these extreme bills that J.B. Pritzker has pushed and signed into law where they've been concocted behind closed doors. And now we hear people talking about, you know, the demise, of, and now we wanna back up the Safety Act and, and, and the energy bill. Maybe it's got some work to do. Well, maybe it should have and could have been done right the first time. Uh, people here in Illinois are, are, are under pressure that's why they've been moving out of the state. That's why our state isn't growing and thriving on its own and relying on, on, on federal money to bail it out. Governor Pritzker is the, the, the only governor in the nation that went to borrow money for the Federal Reserve. Something is wrong. When I sit up here and talk to the parties, uh, especially in Chicago and all the wonderful things that are taking place, uh, there's a lot of need, but uh, people's voices aren't being heard. The money is not going to where it is supposed to be going. We will sit at the table. I will lead that communication. We'll make sure the people of the state know what's going on. And there will, those days of a, of a budget being amended and popping up an hour before it gets voted on, those days are over with because they must be. So you say um, you, you work across the aisle with Democrats, but you've only passed two bills in the General Assembly. So what, uh, what about your record uh, can voters take as an indication that you'll be able Republicans to have no opportunity to work across the aisle. There's a set agenda, the only bills that are let out. Look, I'm not the only one. Only one bill in many cases, you're kind of given this little token that here's this bill, we'll let you get it through. No, it's a complete joke what's taking place in the Illinois General Assembly. Governor Pritzker, I believe holds full responsibility to that. The people of Illinois need transparency. The people of Illinois desire accountability out of their government. I don't think that uh, uh, how many laws you pass, <laughs> that's a problem in our state. We have too many. 8,000 laws sitting on the books right now, or bills sitting on the books right now, that's a problem. We need less government. We need government out of our life. Government is supposed to protect the people. I have been standing up as a state legislator, sounding the alarm with what's wrong with Illinois. That's why I'm here. So, Governor, I had a, a bit of a different question for you about your record uh, regarding the graduated tax. Um, and when you, you were uh, pushing for it, you said uh, if it doesn't pass, it would lead, lead to painful budget cuts. Yet, Illinois' revenues topped $50 billion for the first time this year. Uh, spending grew, revenues grew. So, were the warnings hyperbole or 
Uh, do you see cuts on the horizon when some of the sort of pandemic era consumer trends uh, uh, subside? Well, we did two very important things uh, to make sure that we were balancing our budget in very difficult times, I might add. You remember that uh, 2020, 2021, the beginning of 2022 were some of the most difficult times of COVID. And they were challenging for our budgets as well. So let's begin with, we cut $700 million during the toughest time during COVID uh, to make sure that we were allocating dollars to healthcare and to the needs of people who are suffering from COVID-19 and taking it away from other parts of government, cutting, frankly, inefficiency in government. And we did that. And we also, as you saw, in order to balance the budget, we eliminated the corporate tax loopholes that we had $700 million worth of corporate tax loopholes which helped us balance the budget. Uh, we, when we legalized cannabis in the state, it brought hundreds of millions of more dollars uh, into state government. Uh, we also, uh, in the wake of the Wayfarer decision, made sure that we were collecting uh, the sales tax appropriate to save small businesses that were being hurt by internet sales, which were able to occur without sales tax. So we evened the playing field, leveled it for small businesses and benefited the state. Those are all things that we did to uh, make sure we were balancing the budget. But a lot of it is focused and should be on making the tax system fairer. And that's what I was aiming at with the proposal that I made back in 2020, making the tax system fairer. Wealthy people should pay a higher rate than people who are nurses and uh, people who are police officers and who are working at uh, local pharmacies and, and small businesses. I believe that's uh, fundamental uh, to our state and to our nation. We have a graduated income tax system in the nation. We didn't do that, we didn't get it passed, but making the tax system fairer for working class families, for, for middle class families, I think is essential. And I've been doing that uh, since day one. I do want to say one other thing. Um, Governor Bailey, I mean, uh, uh, Senator Bailey, um, uh, you know, he said moments ago uh, that uh, nothing gets done in a bipartisan way. That's so untrue. Like I could just, I mean, I was sitting here trying to tick off in my mind all the things that we worked across the aisle to get done. Legalization of cannabis, bipartisan. Uh, the first balanced budget that we passed when I became governor, bipartisan. Um, infrastructure, the infrastructure bill, bipartisan. Again, uh, all of those things Darren Daly voted against, but Republicans, other Republicans voted for. And CJA, the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, bipartisan. Uh, and I have reached across the aisle on all of these issues and others to make sure that we get people's ideas because there are Republican ideas and Democratic ideas that should be listened to. And we should all be working together to get the best possible legislation and to balance our budget. But Darren Bailey doesn't want to participate in any of that. And he will not work in a bipartisan fashion. And we will end up where we were under Bruce Rauner with no budget. And two years without a budget is what we had under Bruce Rauner and building up a bill backlog that will be very, very difficult to pay back as it was. All right, Dennis, go ahead. I know we've got a tight 11.45 close. Yeah, we we uh, we have a hard stop here, and um, uh, I want to give each of the candidates one last chance to say uh, a, a final um, 
uh, final statement, and um, I'll start with uh, Senator Bailey. You know, we just simply have to ask ourselves one question. Are we better off today than we were four years ago? I mean, that answer is a resounding no. And that's what, uh, that's what I've been doing for the last four years is educating and informing people of how government here in Illinois is not working for them. Uh, you know, I was one of the early ones along with uh, uh, State Representative Terry Bryant in the early days of COVID to, to stand up and address what we knew then was a, uh, uh, an, an, an unemployment uh, a fraud. And all we know today is that over $2 billion were paid out in fraudulent unemployment claims. We have asked for an audit. There's no audit to be had. We know, you know, Governor Pritzker has ignored that. People want their streets to be safe. People want to be able to live and thrive in this state. People want to be able to send their children to schools and colleges that are working for them and that are not costing too much. And people want their families and their friends and their businesses to be able to stay here and thrive in Illinois. That's not happening. And it's gotten much worse over the last four years. Again, I'm here to restore hope and to tell everyone in Illinois that help is on the way. Thank you, Governor. Well, during this forum, you've seen that Darren Bailey is a Donald Trump extremist who wants to take our state backwards. If Darren Bailey were governor, he would eliminate the state minimum wage, take away women's reproductive rights and restrict voting rights. Our last Republican governor put our state in a dire fiscal position, fought to reduce workers' wages and caused college students to flee the state because he refused to make college affordable. And Darren Bailey threatens to do the same. I've reversed all of that and we're investing in our future in Illinois once again. Balanced budgets, record growth in small business creation, recognized as one of the nation's best in pre-K to 12 education, and as a leader in modernizing our infrastructure, Illinois is finally heading in the right direction. We've accomplished so much together and we have much more work to do. So I ask you for your support so that we can get even more big things done for the working families of Illinois. Thank you and thank you to all of you on this call today. Well, Governor, Senator, thank you very much for your time. And I want to thank you on behalf of all of our AP member newspapers, and most importantly, all of our AP member newspaper readers. Thank you, and we encourage you to vote on November 8th. Thank you. Have a great day. God bless.